What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines. Coming at you on Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. Our last podcast of the year 2022 what do they say year in our lord 2022 i didn't realize this is the last podcast of the year um last podcast of the year heading into a big 2023 i'm hoping and we're ending 2022 with a bang with the film glass onion a knives out mystery Mm. the sequel to knives out yeah uh knives out is a film i have never seen and still to this date after watching glass onion have not seen do you have more interest to watch it now after watching this one I do, but I've seen, like, the end of Glass. I've seen, like, the big reveal of Knives Out, so I kind of feel like... I promise it's still worth the watch. I do love me a good murder mystery. Um, You know, this is a a highly talked about movie. This was released in theaters because Netflix thinks it could get some Oscar buzz, which who knows, maybe it does. I think Knives Out might have even been nominated for Best Picture. Um, And I know you're a big Knives Out fan, Ty, so I'm excited to talk this film with you as a uh, Knives Out, you know, newcomer. Get your input on everything. And, um... I'm just excited. It always feels nice reviewing a solid movie. And this is the third podcast in a row, um, counting our Pinocchio podcast, which is not yet released, where we have <laughs> reviewed a good movie. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. No, I, it's fun shitting on movies. I promise it's more fun actually watching a good movie. <laughs> With that being said, let's get into the show. 60% of the time, it works every time. Don Stamos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I don't feel so good. Hulk! Smash! I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! Tech billionaire Miles Braun invites his friends for a getaway on his private Greek island. When someone turns up dead, Detective Benoit Blanc is put on the case. Just completely wrong. Yeah. Bad synopsis. synopsis. really aren't great, and I've been pressuring you for quite some time now to write your own, and you still haven't. Uh, 2023, new year, new me. Okay. Um, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. 93 audience score. 8 out of 10 on Joe Blow. 8 out of 10 on Joe Blow. Good to know. Um, <laughs> starring the likes of Daniel Craig as Mr. Benoit Blanc. Yeah. Ed Norton. Returning. As Miles Braun, who, when he first popped up, I was like, wow, that guy looks really familiar to Riley. And she's like, dude, that's Ed Norton. I'm someone on this podcast who has said time and time again that I'm like a, I like Ed Norton and everything yeah. I see him in, which is the same as this as well. But he's kind of aged a lot in the last few years, I feel like. No. I don't know, he looks a lot older in this film to me. No, he looked exactly the same to me. Maybe I'm just haven't seen recent Ed Norton stuff. Yeah. Um, Dave Batista, everyone's favorite wrestler turned actor now for some reason. Kate Hudson, who I found out, looked very familiar. I thought it was the girl from Fifty First Dates. It's not, no. obviously. Yep. Um, never seen a Kate Hudson film before. You know, 
now that you say that, as you were saying that, I clicked on it. I'm going through the list. I have seen Kung Fu Panda 3. Oh, yes. That's right. That was the one. <laughs> that was um. the one. <laughs> Her face isn't on screen at any point, but I have seen that. I think she took over, though, because she wasn't credited in Kung Fu Panda 2 nor 1. No shit. So I don't know if it was a new character. Yeah. It might have been a new character. It might have been one of his panda relatives. Um, Catherine Hahn, who I like. Um, I've never seen a Kate Hudson movie. Leslie Odom Jr. of Hamilton fame. And Janelle Monet, who plays Andy slash Andy. Spoiler alert, as always, Andy's twin sister, who I don't remember her name. Whoa, Jay. So quick with the spoilers. What is you say it all the time? If you were clicking on the podcast, it is an instant spoiler alert. Immediately. Yeah. So I don't know how you can come e- at me like Ethan that. Ethan Hawke forgot he was in that. Ethan Hawke was in, in the it. just most inconsequential small role ever. Yes. He mm. shows up, shoots people in the mouth, and then is never to be seen with, again. With disinfectant. Now, there's a lot to touch on with this film, Ty. First thing I want to touch on is how did you feel this movie being based during COVID and yeah. being realistically set during COVID? Um, and them even wearing masks, one of the scenes and everything. How Did that make you feel any type of way? How did um, you feel about that decision? I liked that they were playing Among Us. That part COVID was good. Time. I did like Benoit Blanc playing like Among Us. That Kareem was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And two other famous people who actually uh, died after this, and he dedicated the film to them in the credits. No. Yeah. I don't remember their names. Jackie Hoffman? She looks like... Uh, with all due... <laughs> she may have kicked the can. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say, so I'm not going to comment. It was like Steven Stottenheim or something. No, Jackie Hoffman. So- Sodenheim. Steven Sodenheim. Isn't that the guy? Isn't that the Tick, Tick, Boom guy? I feel like that's Tick, Tick, Boom guy. No idea. No, that's got to be Tick, Tick, Boom guy, the right? Tick, Tick, Boom guy died in like the 90s, fool. No, but not him. Like the like the guy oh, who was, the- he was inspired by. Who, like, left the, the I think voice right. message. I, I actually think you're right about yeah, that. Yeah, I think I nailed that. Good good pick <laughs> out of your brain, Ty. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of you for that. Way yeah, he died uh, November 2021 after no filming this. Which does mean all respect to Jackie Hoffman. She's still kicking it. <laughs> good for her. Yeah. Um, no, but- I like that. I feel like movies just try to avoid it. Like, it was just like, yeah, this happened. We're going to use a ridiculous plot piece to just, like, disinfect everyone so you don't have to wear your mask <laughs> the rest of the movie. And it's fine. So, it's unique. I I understand. I, I appreciate that you have that perspective, Ty. But just as a small brain moviegoer, um, I didn't like it. I'll oh, be honest. Oh, yeah, you thought the libs were getting a hold of Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. No, I don't know. I, like I told Riley, like there was actually some logic. Well, Okay, I thought there was actually like a, a plot reason why they did this because at first it's not revealed until later. Spoilers that he's working together with Andy's twin sister, and that's the reason Benoit Blanc goes to the island. All this stuff. At first, it seems like he's just given this invitation on accident, like as as a prank. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and at first, I was like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense. You're putting it in COVID. That gives Benoit Blanc a reason to actually go to this because he's cooped up in his house, and he literally said, you know, he always struggles in between cases. Blah blah blah." But that ended up not mattering because there was an actual reason for him to be there. Um, and just as a small brain moviegoer, I don't like being reminded of real life pandemics. No. I really don't. It's your escapism. It, it really is. Yeah. And I saw that CNN purple thing on the side, and it kind of put me in a funk the first 10 minutes of this movie. Like You're feeling down? And their masks, and Catherine Hahn even did the like mask fall, and she picked it back up and everything. Yeah. Um, I will say they did a very good job with Kate Hudson's character wearing one that 
just did nothing. It was like mesh wire. It didn't block anything. Yeah. But like the exact type of thing this person would do. Yeah. And I mean, I, I watched a, I always, I, I've been doing a lot of research for these films after I watch them. Is, uh, I was watching a YouTube video where Ryan Johnson, the director, described the arrival scene where they all arrive on the dock. And he was mentioning how the masks and who wore what mask and everything was very intentional. You know, you had Benoit Blanc, who was dapper and had it match his outfit. And then you had the scientist guy, Leslie Young Jr. He had like the... The, the scientific one, the yeah. in, maybe not in 95, but the step below in 95. Catherine Hahn had kind of like the sad beige one, but she was still respecting it. Um, Kay Hudson's character had, Bertie J had the mesh one, and then Dave Bautista and his girlfriend Whiskey just didn't have one at all. Fuck yeah. Um, Riley was asking me, and I want to get your take on this, the character Duke, played by Dave Bautista. Yeah. Was that supposed to be Joe Rogan ripoff? I don't think so. I don't either. I think it was more just like a Twitch streamer kind of more Alex Jonesy. Yeah, hundred. Well, that's the thing. And he's like Alpha PG-13, News thirteen. Like his Alex thing was Jones. trying to do Alpha News later on. Like it felt a lot more like an Alex Jones take than a. Yeah, but for I do sure. think there was influences from all those type of people. Yeah, I don't think it was like necessarily direct comparison, but yeah. um, I'm not a Joe Rogan guy. I don't really listen to his stuff. Um, I think he's good at his job in UFC. Um, Electric announcer. I don't think he's as, like, dude bro, not respect women as sometimes people say he is. I think he sometimes gets a bad rep for that. So I just would, you know, he's done some very stupid things. I'm not yeah. defending those, but um, I don't think he's Duke from Glass no, Onion. No, <laughs> not at all. There's a gap there. <laughs> oh, this is a, a – oh, okay. A side note, sorry. Um, I lost my train of thought, Ty. Anything okay. else to touch on this movie before we jump into the scale? Um, how about the mystery part of it? As a film goer, what was your kind of experience with the mystery? Were you trying to solve it actively? Were you sitting back and letting the movie take you for a ride? Tyler's about to sneeze, bad radio. I'm going to talk through it. Um, I'm good. It's right on the edge. And I'll tell you right now, Ty, I was probably an annoying watch to watch this with with Riley. You can ask her after the pod. Were you vocal? I was predicting things every five minutes, but changing my prediction every five minutes. Nice. <laughs> you had no clue, but you were very you were very verbal about your not knowing. Yeah, and like they they sent me for a loop on some things, you know, yeah. like some things I was wrong. My big take the whole time, I thought whiskey was behind it all. I I had a feeling whiskey was going to be one of them, and she wasn't. I was just like, not that's the all. one character yeah. that like has no reason to do this. Yeah. So that's why she would do it. So that was my big take. Um, but what was your your experience watching the film? And kind of going through those mental gymnastics of All the mystery. Over the place. <laughs> All over the place. I thought every single person did it at one point or another. Um, and I loved the title and the description of it. It's a very layered, like an un- glass onion. It's very, like, a lot of layers to it. And you're like, oh, it could be them, could be them. It's very obvious. And the answer is right at the center. Yeah, it ended up being very right simple. It's very simple. The bad guy did it. Yeah, which is... I was talking to Rye how our murder mystery idea, which I don't know if we should say on the pod so no one steals it. We've said it multiple times um, on the pod before. Of where the guy investigating the murder mystery is the murderer. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> But doesn't know list. he's the murderer, no. and he's slowly solving his own case. Yes, that's but doesn't a, realize it's his case. That's like Shutter Island meets, meets Glass Onion. No, so the first one is different with, like, the twist. Yeah. It's very different how it plays out because it's like, this is the person who did it, and they tell you right away. And then it's like, but not really. That's what Riley was telling me. So spoilers for the first Knives Out that the way they set up the first one was it was like right away you're like, oh, shit, it's Chris Evans. Duh. But then throughout the rest of the movie, it's like, oh, no, maybe it's not Chris Evans. Actually, it's not. Well, no, Right away, it's Ana de Armas. Oh. And it's very – because she's like, are you going to watch it? No. 
I might, but I, I already know the mystery. I saw, like, the end where it's Chris Evans and everything, so that part of it. Okay, fuck it. It's Ana de Armas, and she's, like, his caretaker. And she fucks. Yeah, yeah, it's and the she, rich guy, yeah. And she fucks up and gives him the wrong medication. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And kills him, and she knows that she did it. Mm-hmm. And she feels awful about it. And she's like, I can't believe I made this mistake, and all the family's there. And then it's, like, this fucking long, winding mystery type thing. And it's revealed that, no, you didn't. Chris Evans set you up to fucking kill him and yeah. give him the wrong medication. And it's incredible. This one, their their unique version of a murder mystery is just, there's no mystery at all. It's stupid. They call it stupid. But there was still a murder mystery twist, which the big twist being the twin sister thing, which I never saw coming yeah, for a didn't see years. that. Um, and a twist that actually makes sense. I think sometimes these movies can get a little cutesy with like trying so hard to do a twist. And then it's like, that makes no sense. How is yeah. that a twist? Or that well, didn't need to be there. Well, this is where I'm at. Like they've done two different types of like murder mystery things. I feel like our idea, we got to get in contact with Ryan Johnson. Exactly. Because that's the best way to do But then Benoit Blanc's a killer. That's the last one. Yeah. That's the end of Mr. Blanc. <laughs> um, but no, the twist of the twin sister. And because, you know, going through this, like, Duke gets murdered. And right away, again, I changed my opinion five minutes later. But right yeah. away, I was like, oh, it was obviously fucking, what's his name? It was obviously Ed Norton's character. Like, yeah. even the stupid glass. Oh, he had my glass. I was like, nah, that's, yeah. that's a fucking distraction. I, I immediately yelled at Pineapple. Because I could not forget Meets the line. Riley did too, yeah. Duke, don't do pineapple. <laughs> Riley did too, yeah. Um, and then when the person got shot, I guess you kind of just assume. Like, I never really thought it was Catherine, ha- Catherine Hahn's character. I never really thought it was uh, the Leslie Odom Jr.'s character. I didn't really even think it was Birdie J either. I yeah. thought it was going to be one of these side characters like Whiskey. I thought, or, I thought it could have been Peg. Yeah, or Peg, yeah. The assistant. Who was probably the most inconsequential character in this. Big time. I was thinking about it afterwards. Like, why did she need to be in this? I don't know if she really added much, but... Um, I guess she did a little bit, <clears throat> but watching it and like after Duke gets killed and then obviously um, we think Andy gets killed. I was like, how are they going to fill in another hour 15? Cause you know, the movie's only halfway over or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we go sent back in time to the whole Andy sister thing and everything. from the top. And it was like, Oh shit. And then the way they retold the story through Andy's point of view, I'm assuming knives out. Wasn't like that. I know Benoit Blanc explained it at the end. What happened? You saw Chris Evans do certain things, but yeah, that was a really creative way to do it, and I liked it. And again, if you're going to keep doing these murder mysteries, I mean, everyone does a murder mystery. We reviewed Death in the Nile last year. I don't know if it was this year or last year. Um, God. We're going to review the next one whenever it comes out. I know we will. Yeah. Um, And it's just a, a unique way. Whereas Death on the Nile, we both enjoyed it, but it didn't have as high of a score because it was more cookie-cutter murder mystery. Gal Gadot gets murdered and ends up being her husband, of course, because it's always the husband who you never expect it would be. Yep. Um, but, I mean, even a cookie-cutter murder mystery is still fun. This is the fun of the murder mystery with creativity and filmmaking, which I think is what makes it such a, a well-renowned film, Ty. No, for sure. And, and this franchise as a whole has been wonderful at that, at, at using this very, very, very overdone genre and making it unique and creative. And that's why they stand out above the rest. Yeah. is the way that they execute it is so unique and, and done so well. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, is uh, Andy, well, not Andy, the twin sister Andy, is she going to face criminal criminal charges for what she did at the end? I mean, foreign country, right? <laughs> well, she didn't She didn't do it. The hydrogen thing did That's it. That's true. It was his own fuel. Um, so. She did damage a lot of sculptures. I don't think, <laughs> like, there's no getting around that. They can put the pieces of glass together. That's your fingerprint. Well, all the people obviously were turning against her and everything. But I even like the simplicity of, I guess I'll, I'll parlay this point into my plot slash story score. But I even like the simplicity as the whole point is like this is a dumb billionaire 
And they give you hints about that throughout. Like he didn't build his own box. He didn't this and that. All these dumb, stupid things he did. Benoit Blanc solved his murder that someone else had to write for him yeah. in 45 seconds right yeah. away. Um, all this stuff, you know, is pointing to him just being a dumb billionaire. And that's ultimately what happened. But I like the decision of they have the note and it's like, oh, my God, we got him. And then he just fucking burns it right in her hand. It's like, like, just the most you. simple thing. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm stupid, but I'm still going to get away with it. <laughs> Um, but I liked how that that had the the underlying theme. The whole mystery was around that. And like I said, I liked how they went back in time. And yeah. it gives you new perspective to the whole first half of the movie. Like, if this is a rewatchable <laughs> film. You good? You, continue. I have a note on oh. this. You rewatch the movie. You rewatch that first half with a different, different, completely different perspective. Because the whole time, Daniel Craig is playing fucking Ed Norton's character. Blanc is yeah. playing Braun. Like he, Entirely. You know, he was saying... I gathered here because there's a bunch of people that want to murder you, blah, blah, blah. And there's a, a secondary motive the entire time. And the whole time Blanc knows that there's actually reasons for these people not to murder them, which originally we thought were reasons for them to murder him. You know, we have the the Kate Hudson's Birdie J, you know, not wanting to do that Bangladesh or whatever country yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, I think you nailed it. And I like the the sweatshop. She thought that's where sweatpants were made. <laughs> not. Um, you have Dave Batista, which at the time we think he's his – Girlfriend is cheating on him, but she's really, you know... He's telling her to do it. Yeah, you have Catherine Hahn and Leslie Odom Jr., who were probably the least, I think, complex overall stories. It was more so just like, we're funding him, so yeah, um, that's why I never thought it was them. But at first, you're like, oh, they feel pressure, um, but then, you know, you find out that whatever, like, they actually have a reason to keep him around because of the funding and everything. So, the one thing I didn't like about the plot before I give the score, I know you have one more point, sorry, I just want to get this out right away. Didn't understand why... They already they showed the scene of Catherine Hahn and Leslie Odom Jr. saying she already signed off on the power plant, and Leslie Odom already signed off on Clear. But then later in the film, when he brings the Clear up, they're both like, "No, don't do it, no." When they said that pool scene, they both said they already signed off on it and everything. So that part I didn't understand. I don't know. I would have to go back. That and was, I think, that. the I one remember. one flaw. Yeah, because there was a scene where Ed Norton first shows the clear, and they're both against it. But then when we go back, the second telling through through Andy when she's snooping, she hears that Catherine Han, Catherine Hahn already said that Claire already said that she said I already signed off on this. I'm gonna lose my lefty hippie whatever. Well, I wonder if it was like a we did our part. Here you go. It's up to you if you want to release it. What do you mean? So like she signed off on her shit. He signed the power off plant. on the power plant. Plant. Yeah. And, but I wonder if it was like a. You, here's our things. Whenever Miles Braun wants to release it, you have it to release it. But maybe it was like, obviously, we did our part. Just don't like. We're, they still were hoping he wouldn't actually do it. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. That was the one thing that. Anyways, my plot slash story score tie. I gave it a solid eighteen out of twenty. Fuck yeah, it's a high score. That's a very high score. I um my point regarding the plot is. Right as they were like, right as they shot Andy and you thought Andy is dead, mm -hmm. me and Victoria were sitting there and I was like, I bet this is such a good movie on a rewatch to like pick up all the different, like I just casually said it, right? Mm -hmm. And we were just sitting there talking and she was like, the comment came up like, should we rewind and rewatch it? <laughs> and there was the thought that I was going to rewind, rewatch that entire first half of the movie and then not five minutes later, they started it back from the top and I was like, <laughs> I would have been so fucking mad <laughs> if we would have done this yeah. just out of curiosity. Because yeah. um, it just it tells the story over again. Yeah, it does. Act but from one a and different act, point of view. Act one and act two are just the same act, different POV. Act one is told through Benoit Blanc's point of view. Act two through Andy's twin sister's point of view. Twin sisters. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, 
I give it a 17 out of 20. I'm right there with you. It's a wonderful, wonderful Lower story. Lower than me. Wow. Yeah, one point. Um, I like the what they did with it. Obviously, the bad guy being the bad guy, it's gonna hurt it a little bit. Give me something. Give me something I didn't expect. But sometimes that's like that's the, that's the. I don't get me wrong. I like it. The twist not necessarily has to be who done it, but whatever. How done it? Not even how done it because we kind of the how was kind of the most simple. It was yeah. more so like who Why? who did Why done it? Who is that twin sister who done it? Oh, or something. <laughs> that's the question everyone's <laughs> trying to answer. <laughs> Who's got a twin sister? <laughs> no, I. I like the plot a lot. Seventeen's a very high score, and it's very hard in this kind of genre to excel at that kind of thing uh, on something that it's. It, there's a cookie cutter plot, but the nonlinear storytelling where you go point A to point B to point A to point B mm-hmm. to points. Mm-hmm. Like I love that. I love how it was told. I love that they set up all these little clues, and then it you know plays back, and you get to see the little shit, and you still don't know the answer while seeing two different parts of this story until the very end where you're like oh yeah it was just him like it is none of these people i like what they did with that a lot i like it a lot a lot and i will say when i watch these films um i'm always looking for things like always yeah you know some things are going to be red herrings naturally like the gun right away you know riley was like oh it's duke he has a gun i'm like no no chance like obviously the gun's still factored in i thought the gun was gonna have no factor leslie odom and and katherine hahn like whispering to each other in the pool yeah. Huge red hair. Like, they're going to have red herrings, and they're going to have actual subtle clues. And, again, I watched these. Daryl. Huge red herring. Yeah, he was. I love um, Daryl being there. <laughs> the one, like, I again, watching this so intently and trying to pick up on every little possible cue. The car scene where they mentioned the, the blue car, and that ended up being a factor towards the end. I didn't even think twice about that. Yeah. Like, that had absolutely no... Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, like, crazy. They still slip them by you. Yeah. Well, like, all the wrong uses of words. Like, I consider myself, to, I, I've popped out some big words here on the pod every now and again. Like, you, if you're just, like, if you're watching, you're just, like, this really smart guy just completely misused that word. Well, I do remember the one he said early on, relax, whatever he said, the, yeah. like, where he combined two words. I remember that one. But the rest of them, like, I didn't realize in yeah. the moment. It made me realize maybe sometimes I'm not fully paying attention to what people are saying in movies well dude, that was the entire point of it though it's like you just make yourself sound smart yeah i'm just like all right well it. yeah like the infraction point like after they brought yeah. that back i'm like oh it's the freaking inflection point what yeah infraction is like when light goes through a freaking piece of glass and it yeah. infracts so. i think it was a reclamation of all of his projects or something something like that, instead yeah. of culmination no i thought it was about relaxation he said it's time to for us to reclamation or something like that i don't remember yeah. But it was like that's just not that's just not the right word, and they still snuck it right fucking by you. He had a car on the roof. That yeah. was pretty stupid. That was so sick. Yeah. <laughs> like if I had stupid money and I could just keep my one of one specialty car with me everywhere, I'd do it. <laughs> do it in a fucking heartbeat. Um, so I gave this an eighteen out of twenty. tie. higher than you. I'm a little shocked there. What one point? Visuals, one point? cinematography. Why don't you walk me through this? part of the scale sir so visual cinematography this movie obviously looks great um there's a lot of little details that get caught on screen and everything that they show you i was a little lower on this until i started like watching some clips that people have released yeah the camera work is actually incredible throughout um there's a couple of shot specifically when the twin sister shows up to benoit's house and they're talking about it 
um, like everything. And it's like a panning shot of like them and like her talking. And then there's like a very quick zoom out and it like reveals the talking point. Incredible camera work. It looks so nice. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of shit with, and like there's a bunch of other scenes like that where it's not flashy, but it's just high quality fucking cinematography. Uh, 17 out of 20 as well. Very, very good camera work on this film. Again, I was lower. I was probably like 15. And I saw those and I was like, no, this is this is good shit. Yeah, I noticed um, the, again, I re, I wa- watching some things of when the director explains everything. I almost don't want to like take those two into consideration. Um, because like in that scene, he was explaining like the lines and everything and like drawing like, like all those things are like things when you're watching, you're like, damn, you know, he's so smart. And like, I'm kind of going to back against myself right now with the Pinocchio review, which you haven't even listened to yet. Um, the audience, yeah. Um, because I talked a lot about the stuff they talked about behind the scenes, but yeah. that was a little different. That was stop motion and stuff, but like lines in cinema in a frame, that's a very universal thing. Like Ryan, jo- Ryan Johnson's not reinventing the wheel by using lines to direct your attention to one part, part of the frame. Like, you know, so I try not to like hear something like that and give it a really high score. Um, but that being said, like throughout this film, there were multiple times where I told Riley, like, oh, that was like a really well-filmed shot. The scene where right before Duke's murder, it was just super hectic. It was like she was dancing with her rainbow dress, and it was loud. Yeah. Like they were playing music, but they were talking over the music. The fucking um, Mona Lisa thing just kept going on and, and off. off and off. Yeah. And like there was just different – like it was intentionally just like super hectic and chaotic, and you knew something was about to happen, but Uncut you didn't know what. Vibes. Yeah, and it was just like – kind of like a most the most kind of passive death you can have you know after all that yeah. but um you know stuff like that i very much noticed um i feel bad for giving my score i mean it's still a, a respectable score i i saw the camera work and everything i still landed out of 15 i respect the visuals i respect the cinematography um i just don't know if i'd put it up in that upper 17 to 20 tier personally myself but it definitely was a very um well shot well intended you know film yeah, I, I'm. I like what they did. I'm a. I. I I'm a VFX sucker. I'll admit it. A hundred percent. And I think this was me, like actually sitting down and watching it and everything, and seeing all the different clips and things. Like, this is the like for a movie like this. This is how you shoot it. Yeah. With mm-hmm. artistic intention. Well, there it was missing something. What was it missing Jay? A one shot. Yep. <laughs> it's true. Is the next murder mystery just going to be entirely in a one shot? Is that our movie? A murder mystery where the the detective is the killer but it's all shot in one shot how that would work in a murder mystery i have no idea one shot murder mystery i we can figure We're it out to something here. now i will say for our first cinematic debut a one shot's a bold fucking strategy like <laughs> <laughs> you're going big should we write uh, a screenplay yes i don't even know how to i have a software downloaded that like makes it look like a script supposed <laughs> to look like i have no idea what you're supposed to do with it but it like gives you the outline <laughs> um i'm telling you that's like and our tagline, like our, our selling point, it's like Memento meets Glass Onion. Oh. Because Memento, it's like kind of told backwards. Yeah. We don't necessarily have to tell it backwards. Like well, Memento, it kind of is like all these events happened, and this person did all of those events, and then he refigures out what he did. Yeah. So it's kind of like. Or she. Ooh, there's but we case. have to have our red herrings and stuff. We can't have it yeah. be very obvious that the detective solving his own no, no. murder. There's got to be other people that you think it is until he gets yeah. to the end. And it's just like a fucking mirror. He's just staring himself in the face. That's that's pretty good, man. That's a pretty good idea. It's a great fucking idea. <laughs> We're gonna have to take down a lot of podcasts though when it comes out. 
Why? To just give people the answer. Oh. Because, <laughs> like, if someone's watching this and, like, it actually comes out and people are like, hey, go listen to episode number, you know, blah, blah, blah. They tell you exactly what's going to happen. Like, well, fuck. I like how we're preparing ourselves for this. It's going to be an issue. Imaginary screenplay that we have. I just, when we take it to the production company, they're going to have to work in some budget for podcast listeners. This feels like a movie A24 would make. Oh, for sure. And we pitch it. Memento meets Shutter Island meets Glass Onion. Who stars? Who's the detective? Yeah. I'm thinking someone who's like. Can we do a girl detective? 30 to 40. We could. I just feel like there's not. But I want him to look like, like, like. Ran down a little bit. Ran down? Kind of like like you could tell life's taking a toll on him. I mean, if I'm casting a lead female in a movie, I'm just instantly jumping to Florence Pugh. Oh, no, she doesn't give off detective vibes. I was thinking Melissa McCarthy. Fuck her <laughs> husband. I don't want to be involved in that family. We'd have to have dinners with them. No. <laughs> it, would be, it would be written into the contract. Your husband doesn't step up. I don't know. So we have Daniel foot. Craig, who's great. We have Kenneth Branagh. Killer mustache. Wonderful mustache. He doesn't get any creative control, though. He created Artemis Fowl. Yeah, because, I like, think he also starring, directs his... No, but like, if he's starring, he's going to want an executive producer role, and I can't Well, he can't that. star. He's already in a murder mystery. Okay. Who's like a, 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 a B-list female actress in her 40s? In their 30s? Late 30s, though. Like 37. Well, by the time this movie's made, you know, there's... So we're looking 35? Right now? <laughs> sure, Ty. Sure. 35-year-old actress who looks a little bit older than 35. Ooh, you know who was a little run down? <laughs> That's, there's no way that this isn't offensive. Say it. Um, The girl who played Ratcatcher in The Suicide Squad. I don't know if she could be the lead, but she was okay. run down in that movie. Emma Stone. I think we need smaller than that. I think Emma Stone's a little bit too big for it's, our... It's going to be expensive. Our liking, especially if we're doing A24 in this, this movie <sighs> we're pitching. How about Amber Heard? Is that the Johnny? Is that Johnny? That's the Johnny Depp. It's going to be yeah. really cheap. <laughs> we, could, we could afford that. Might I, be issues attached with it, but we could afford it. Jennifer Lawrence? That's way too big, Ty. we got to look smaller than that. No, but like this is an A24. Like This is a, uh, whatchamacallit? Lily James. She could be a detective. I don't hate that. Don't Girl hate from that yesterday and yeah. Whatever else she's in that yeah. I can't remember. She gives off detective vibes, and she's British, which I just feel like always plays. No, British people figure mysteries out better. Yeah. Is Daniel Craig, British. Is he, though? Daniel Craig? Yeah, he's got to be British. He's Daniel James Craig Bond. is British. Yeah, I he's mean, James Bond. He's got to be British. What's Never his mind. name's not British, but... Kenneth Bernard? No, I mean, Blanc isn't British. Well, yeah. But, yeah, Chester United Kingdom. I don't know where Kenneth Bernard is from, but he sounds like a British name. I would imagine. Uh, yeah, UK. So they got to be British. British actor. Doesn't have to be British character, but British actor. Lily James. Okay. Uh, I'm going to write the role for her. Even Enola Holmes. She's a detective. She's great, too. And she... My favorite Sherlock. Bobby Brown is British. Like, with all due respect, I like RDJ as Sherlock. Henry Cavill blows him out of the fucking water, and it's strictly because he's British. You think so? Yeah. He's not even the star of the franchise. Henry Cavill's British? Ooh, big big British. I feel like I probably said this in Enola Holmes, too. Yeah. Wow. Oh, is it, Wait, is it, is it Henry Cavill, the guy who was born in, like, Jersey or something? Not New Jersey, actual Jersey. St. Hilaire, Jersey. Let's go. <laughs> Tyler's just picking stuff out of his brain. I love it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> random little note here. I, I saw the trailer for Shazam. I went to the movies today. 
um, after all the DCU stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. like I have absolutely, we're probably still going to see it for the podcast. I have zero interest in it now because yeah. I know they're just going to reset in a new universe. Yeah. I did air quotes for the audience. Um, obviously they're rebooting everything. So it's like this movie's not going to matter in six months. No, not at all. Which is a real bummer because the I, first Shazam was fun and I thought they could have done. Good yeah. But I, even before all this, I, I saw the Shazam two trailer and I was already kind of like, eh, uh, that doesn't look good. Yeah. And now with like it not mattering, it's just kind of like, who cares? Yeah. Flash is definitely like the reason they're holding on to that movie is they're going to reset a lot of shit with that. Oh movie. yeah, probably. Probably. It's wild. What are we on? Uh, key on elements tie. This is a murder mystery. A little bit of comedy sprinkled in. That's not really necessarily the genre, but it's definitely intentional. Let me uh, let me get you this. Hold on one second here for you. It is a comedy crime drama. Mystery thriller comedy. There were some laughing points. Um, but I'm mostly going with the murder mystery aspect of this. Now, I gave this a 19 out of 20 for one reason. That is very high. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I didn't give it a 20 because I think our murder mystery is going to be a 20 out of 20. Love that. the ultimate murder mystery twist yeah. that no one has thought of. There's probably so many movies that have done this before. I don't think there is. That's a thing, Jay. <laughs> I can't think of one that's done that. Um, that's such a good idea. Maybe a book. I do want to be an author. Should I just write a book and then we'll adapt? That's what'll get That's it big and then we'll it. adapt yeah. it to a film. Yeah. Should I be a murder mystery novelist? Maybe. Within the Lines would not be possible without Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now. Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, we highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about m- making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. I gave it a 19. Look, I know there's Knives Out and you're going to compare it to that. And like that's kind of the magnum opus yeah. right now. Um, but Knives I Out's just, a solid 20 for me. I just feel like it could have done better, hence why it's a 19. Yeah. But like... Again, I thought it was creative with the twist, creative with the not twist of it just being the dumb billionaire, but then you have the twist of the twin, and the way the story was told, and it was freshly unique. Again, only seeing the explanation scene of Knives Out, like this was a completely different thing. This was a completely different way. It's really easy for them to take the Knives Out formula and just kind of copy and paste it for five movies or whatever Netflix bought, because they bought a bunch of these, Um, but they didn't, and like Ryan Johnson has made it a point to say like, he didn't even want Knives Out in the title because he wants this to be its own thing. He said, like, like books, they're completely separate. Yeah. Um, but obviously Netflix wants the audience to know this is a sequel. Uh, not Maybe not a sequel, but in the same universe. Yeah. So, it's a sequel. It's got the same character, continuation. I don't even know if I call it a sequel, though. Continuation. It's a Mr. Benoit Blanc. Blanc sequel. A Benoit Blanc cinematic universe. Yes. Um, and I just thought it was done really well. And again, key elements. We're thinking about what did the filmmaker want to do and did he accomplish it? And I think he did. And yeah. 
I respect it. Maybe I'm a little high on it, not seeing Knives Out, but I gave it a 19 out of 20. You know one of my favorite things to do on the pod? What's that? Curse? I'm going to work on it. Okay, come the new year. <laughs> we get advertisers. Um, no, my favorite thing to do is like be shocked by one of your scores. Be like, oh my God, that's so high. And then, it's and then the have you thing. justify the score and explain. I gave it a 19 too, Jay. I'm right there with you. It's incredible. It's such a good like. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. The way it's executed and the way that it's it's set up. And like you said, there's the twist and then there's the non-twist. And then, like, it being in plain sight in the fucking name and, like, the description of the island is a glass onion. And he says, like, all these fucking layers. But it's very obvious. You can see right through all the layers. Yeah. And, like, all of it, it's done so, so well. For me, the only reason it's not a 20 is because the first Knives Out is a 20. And I think it's done just a little just a little bit better. But it's still so good. The comedy works. The ensemble cast and all the different, like, things that they did throughout. Uh, there's the one thing where, like, they call everyone the disruptors. And, like, that's the, the yeah. running trend is, like, they're all disruptors and shit. And the funny part about it is they all, like, follow and just mm-hmm. kind of fall in line under Miles Braun, except for the twin sister. And that's yeah. very, very, very much, like, very apparent with the puzzle box to where yeah. all of them, like, fall in line and, like, do that. And they aren't disrupting. And she just takes a fucking hammer to it. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. And, like, those small little details with the, the ensemble cast and this mystery and and how they leave clues for like who's actually, you know, part of all of this. It's so good. It's so good. It's so hard to make one of these movies good and the fact that he's just rattled off back-to-back fucking bangers in this genre is incredible. Same director as The Last Jedi, perhaps the most hated Star Wars movie of all time. Too much hate. Oh, really? Good movie. Really? I best, feel like I will I will say easily the best of the sequel trilogy. Really? Yeah. People hate that movie. Yeah. No, it's very divisive. Uh, is it divisive? It's the thing where it splits people? Divisive. Divisive. I don't even know if it's divisive. I think it's like universally hated. No. Critics scores. Well, yeah. Critics is 91. High. Yeah. Yeah. And audience is 42. That's small brain Star Wars fans being pissed off. That's actually a good movie. Now. Easily the best. Again, my biggest take, my favorite movie take is nobody hates their own franchise more than Star Wars mm-hmm. fans. You talk to a Star Wars fan, it's like. The magnum opus, the, I've used that word twice now in one podcast. I don't think I've said this that word in the 150 episodes we've done. Um, the magnum opus is part five, Empire Strikes Back. Give me one second. I believe it's uh, a large Back. and important work of art. Yeah, that'll be the one. I'd figure out number what five. Opus. And obviously the original three are like beloved as a whole. But like number five is like the creme de la creme. Mm. But then like I feel like everyone hates the first three and then everyone hates the back three. It's like. And I've said it. You have these movies in the 60s and 70s that were just ahead of their time. If this wasn't a Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi tie, like, let's just say this was a, a different franchise. It's not Star Wars. It probably wouldn't have as bad as, like, reviews from the audience, right? Yeah, for like, sure. It's just the Star Wars fans being like, you touched our Star Wars. You touched our baby. A million percent. And he did, Ryan Johnson did something different and unique with it. And they hated that. What? Why, why do people hate? Is it because they make Luke look like a wuss? They said that the Luke character Skywalker is not oh, Luke Skywalker character is not Luke Skywalker. Doesn't do things that he would do. And even um, Mark Hamill has said this mm-hmm. to where you're like, it feels like he's playing a completely different character in that film, um, which like, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit but, like the things he does and like how serious it is and the different, like they bitch about some of like the force powers, which are like actually canon and it's just stupid to bitch about, but they've never been any of the other movies. Mm hmm. I, it's a good film in, in terms of the other three. 
The best way to explain it is like the original trilogy was like actually groundbreaking and like very high cinema. Yeah. And like incredible groundbreaking um, achievement for sci-fi. The next three, like the the early 2000s ones, mm-hmm. are just like George Lucas going in too deep and just having way too much fun with it, which is why I think people like it. It's because it's like they're bad movies, but they're fun. Uh, do people even like them, though? Yeah. No, every, all of Star Wars fans. I feel like I talked like... to Ricky all the th- My basis is Riley's Uncle Ricky, and I yeah. feel like he hates all of them except number five. Well, that's the thing is, like, they're bad. They're bad films. But if it's on, I'm fucking watching it. Like, it's a good time. <laughs> and then the other, the the sequel trilogy is just, like, trying, Disney trying to make money off of it and making bad films. And the only good thing is Ryan Johnson actually made something good out of it. But it wasn't what they wanted. And yeah. so it kind of got fucked up. Rogue One, pretty good. Incredible. Seen that one. Wonderful I film. Haven't seen Last Jedi. I've seen number seven and number nine. That's it? And Rogue One. <laughs> Those are my three Star Wars movies I've seen. You've seen three and a half, seven, and nine. But I played a lot of Lego Star Wars. So I kind of know the whole story through Just. Lego Star Wars. Got it. So I know the first three. It's kind of like the rise of Palpatine. He's like a politician. and then Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yep. Darth Maul. We talked about Darth Maul last podcast. Yeah. Or Pinocchio. Two in a row. Don't remember. Um, <laughs> I think it might have been Pinocchio. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And then everything that happens. Um, characters tie. It's a pretty good cast. Ensemble cast. I'm about my score up one. I feel like it's not fair where it's at right now because I. Uh, so, hold on, I just deleted my whole characters row. No. Fixed it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna bump it up one. It's a good ensemble cast. I like Edward Norton's performance. Yep. Um, I like. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Benoit. I like Janelle Monae's performance. Okay. Um, I thought she might have been my favorite because she pretty much played two different characters. Um. Dan- Benoit Blanc is Benoit Blanc. I think he's he's fine in his role. As someone who hasn't seen the first one, you can't say that. <laughs> you can't say, oh, he's just being Benoit. You don't know who the fuck Benoit is, you fucking poser. <laughs> um, I thought Ka- Catherine Hahn and Leslie Odom Jr., I don't want to say disappointing, but they were just, like, fine. Not used. Yeah, they weren't used very much. Kate Hudson, I thought she did a good performance. And everyone's favorite, Dave Batista. I thought he was good in this. I think he's still getting a little overrated. All that being said, I really like Edward Norton's performance in this. I'm an Ed Norton guy, even if I didn't realize it was him at first. I gave this a 16 out of 20 just because it's a good cast that comes together, and it works. It yeah. works well. One point higher, I'm at a 17. Wow. Duke Don't Do Pineapple. Love Dave Batista in this. Edward Norton, great performance. Uh, Daniel Craig, very. I, I enjoy his character. It's it's a unique, very energetic for what's kind of like a down genre of like people dying. Yeah. Uh, but he brings this levity to it. Kate Hudson for me, I I loved her in this. That really? was a very very good comedic she was good. performance. She was good. Like wonderful. So many of the stupid lines and shit she says, and it's like the little shit. Like she's one of my favorite. And then yeah, Janelle Monae, great performance. Disappointed by Leslie Odom Jr. and Katherine Hahn. Not that they did bad but we didn't get more of them yeah i, I think they they weren't used to what they well i will say Catherine hahn i know Catherine hahn can be very good i haven't seen a lot of leslie odom jr i just know he's very good in hamilton so i might be giving him too much credit there probably i feel like i don't want to discount his acting ability but like he he's still got more to prove now that being said he's in he's in murder on the orient Express. i show. just saw that right now he's a murder mystery savant we still need to see that we watched the second one. We didn't watch the first one. Yeah, he's on there. He's yeah. on there. He's in the same train car with the guy with the mustache. Maybe he's the killer in that one. What a cast. Yeah. Johnny Depp's in that. Yeah. 
That's like the most star-studded movie I've that I've never heard of until we did the podcast. Right? Penelope Cruz, William Defoe, Judy Dench, Johnny Depp, Josh Gad, Leslie Odom Jr., Michelle Pfeiffer, and Daisy Ridley. And it's not like it came out in like 2011. It came out in 2017. It was like right before, a few years right before we started the podcast. I think we started 2019, maybe even 2018. So that's crazy. Yeah. Can't get over. Kay Hudson kind of looks like Drew Barrymore, and I'll die on that hill. Not really. I think you're forgetting what Drew Barrymore looks like. Nope. Looking at side by side right now just to confirm my suspicion. That's wrong. I, I gave it a 16. I thought it was very good. I thought it was very good, not great. I I get that, and I've I've shown in the past I'm a sucker for an ensemble cast. <laughs> yeah. It's been it's happened a couple of times, and like you don't have to give me an Oscar winning performance, but if there's a lot of different unique characters who all add something to a movie, yeah. I give it credit for that because that's fun to me. What'd you get, Bullet Train? I gave that a 17. That's like an ensemble cast. Not Bullet as big train. of names, but, well, had bad money. and I gave that one a 15. Okay. So not as much love as I would thought. I loved the Thomas Train character, so that definitely, that was the one point difference between this and Glass Onion was the detective or whatever he was. I feel like was train should Thomas have, train. I feel like he should have been higher. That movie is, that movie is, t- we talk a lot about movies that we gave too much credit Upon review, mm-hmm. I think I could have gave Bullet Train some more love. What'd you give it? 76. I gave it an 83, so. Yeah. No, like, looking back, this is the first one where I'm looking at it, I'm like, that should be higher. I never say a movie should be higher. Yeah. Did I say my score? 17. Yeah, you did. How much did you enjoy this movie, Ty? I enjoyed it a lot, Jay. I enjoyed it a lot. This is one of my favorite running franchises that's still ongoing right now. Um, I'm, I, the second the fucking new one comes out, I can't wait. Because I'm going to go, and I'm going to love it, and I'm going to watch it, and I hope we're executive producers on it. <laughs> uh, I gave it a – I'm going to go up 18 out of 20. I really, really like this franchise. I do think that the first one is a touch better. Touch? Because mm-hmm. the first one is a is an incredible, incredible film. One of my favorite probably ever. Wow. It's it's up there for sure. And it's just done so well, and this is right on par. I, I, it's just you're splitting hairs here. This movie is fantastic. 18 out of 20. Would love to rewatch it. Very fun first watch. I'm sure a very fun second watch. Easy to pick up. Paced well. Super, super easy to recommend. Everyone's going to love this. Um, very, very enjoyable film. Netflix bought um, two standalone sequels. Only two. Now, they could obviously buy more, but that is what they purchased. Is that including a Knives Out Mystery uh, Glass Onion? Yes. Glass Onion and then another one. So we're going for a trilogy. They paid $469 million for the rights to those two films. Who gets that money? Production company? Yeah. The first one did $312 million in the box. That's that ain't it? nothing. $40 million budget, probably $100 million after marketing and everything else. That's a that's a pro, that's a, a um, profit, I would say. I don't know how this one did in the box because it was kind of limited release. Um, let's see. Only $13 million. <laughs> That's sad. I, it wasn't. This was supposed to be the Christmas weekend Netflix. Yeah. That gets everyone to still keep their accounts after they get rid of sharing passwords. <laughs> um, and plus, if you're the production company or whatever, like you'll just take that $469 million. It's a guarantee. you know. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, if you would have made them, maybe they would have made more. If the first one did three hundred twelve, maybe the second one would have done four sixty nine. Who knows? But that's why you do this two stand, this two film deal, and then once it's done, go 
freaking go back to box office, big yeah. release, boom. There you go. Fuck yeah. I love that. What are Avatar The Way of the Water is doing in the box office real quick? I know that's a little About to hit a bill. Are you on it right now? No, but. Probably going to lose money? I think he was exaggerating. I can't imagine. It's at one bill right now. 1.03. Yeah, I can't, ima- I can't imagine that's a non-profitable movie. It was dying down, but then it picked up around Christmas. But still, I don't know. We'll see how it does. The whole thing with James Cameron is his movies usually have like longer shelf life. and yeah. So we'll see. Um, I gave this an 18 out of 20 for enjoyment. I really enjoyed this film. Fuck I yeah. usually reserve 1920 for what I would consider some of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Fun fact, I have only given, now that I'm looking here, I think two movies at 19 or better in the enjoyment uh, <laughs> thing here, Ty. So I had my I had my shit filtered by like enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And then I like I just look and I'm like, that's a lot of like 19s and 20s. I'm like, really? And then I look and I just rattle off A Star is Born, one of my favorite movies. Inception, one of my favorite movies. Law Abiding Citizen, duh, should be a 20. Spider-Man 2, and then The Avengers. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I've only given, I haven't given a 20 this year. But I've given two 19s. Can you guess the movies? This year? Yeah, this year. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Yep. Um... What else is from this year? Spider-Man No Way Home. Everything, everywhere. Oh, all yeah, that makes sense. Spider-Man No Way Home was actually last year. December. Fuck, you're right. Yep. Spider-Man No Way Home got That movie's a, a year old. Yeah. We're in December now. Now, Ty, I'm going on enjoyment here real quick. All time, I've given three 20s. Well, this isn't counting one movie that I have the overall score too but there's some i don't have infinity war and i don't have anchorman on this anchorman i'm assuming got a 20 infinity war i'm assuming got a 20 okay but i'd say in the last like two years there's two films three films i've given a 20 one of which was an old uh, march madness movie review can you guess those three films wolf of wall street nope that got a 19 you're stingy you're stingy motherfucker 20 is like my list of like if i'm Making a top ten, top five, whatever all time favorite movies. Like you have to be get a twenty to be on that list. And maybe Inception sneaks, or maybe um, it's not Inception either. But maybe Wolf Wall Street sneaks in there. I'll just tell you, uh, Law Abiding like... Citizen. Okay. Spider Man No Way Home. Okay. <laughs> and Talladega Nights. So I was right with the, the guess for yeah. No Way Home. Yeah, I was yeah. wrong with the year. Yeah. Okay. Um, Talladega Nights though. Gosh, what a movie! movie. <laughs> Love that. First what movie. a fucking movie. Um. I ended up with a final score tie, 86 out of 100, which by our new scale, we moved above the line up to an 85 because we want to respect the above the line. We tweaked it a little bit. I'll, I'll describe the rest later, but I gave it an 86 out mm. of 100. That's a high score. I love the praise. I'm right there with you. A, tad, a touch higher, 88 out of 100, bringing us to a final score of 87 out of 100, this is the 24th ranked film out of 162 films, Jay. We have enough films to watch one review every single day of the baseball season, essentially, well, kind of, if you follow one team. Yeah. Every day the Dodgers play, you could watch a movie. That might be better than watching, watching them play this year. Play this yeah, year, it's going to yeah. be gross. And by gross, I mean like 91 wins. <laughs> yeah, no, you're still <laughs> going to be very, very good. Um, that puts it in the likes of... 
I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. It's tied with Captain America Civil War marriage story. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Which I would probably make higher upon reflection because that's my favorite animated movie of all time. But continue. That's fair. Like we said, it's rare that that happens where we got to bump it up. Um, Talladega Nights, Law Abiding Citizen, Coda, all 87 and a half. This is a very good score. Yeah. This is very, very hard to achieve. It's above the line. And that just got harder this week. And it still made it. Um, within the lines is the same, 65, but now up to 84 and a you're half. Gonna, you're going to start with a very middle. Within you, the lines, that's our podcast name. No, I know, but that's like a middle of the. Like you you got to start mid? at the bottom or the top. I started the top above, below above the line. Because <laughs> we already know below the line, above the line. Above the line is an 85 or yes, better. Yes, we already said that. Continue. Within the lines, 65 to 84 and a half. Very good movie, just not that elite tier. Oh, hold on. I, I got a description. Okay. Uh, above the line, a truly great movie. You should drop everything to see this film. We would say that about Glass Onion. Yep. Within the line, 65 to 84 and a half. A quality film worth going to the movie theaters to watch. I would agree. And then we bumped up below the line. We get higher threshold Yeah. where it's it, it's mostly for our last one. So below the line is 40 to 64 and a half, which is this is a bad movie. You are not missing anything if you don't see this film. And then we have below the line, mm. or draw the line, excuse me, which went, was 25 to 0, but now is 0 to 39 and a half. Um, and it's pretty self-explanatory. You draw the line, but yeah. whatever you do, do not see this movie. Draw That's where I draw line, the line. Don't see it. Don't waste your time. Don't go out there. I promise you, Tom and Jerry, the live action film, <laughs> you don't need to see. <laughs> Booger come out of my mouth. <laughs> My nose, not my mouth. It's an awful movie. Yeah. Don't go and watch it. Me time, just go watch that one scene. Not me time, sorry. Cry Macho. Just go watch that one scene on YouTube. <laughs> That's it. Just the one. <laughs> That's all you get. And it's for how bad it is. Yeah. Not, not to actually enjoy it. It's to understand why it ended up in this category. <laughs> um, random Rotten Tomato movie review, Ty. Today I went and saw Puss in Boots. We we'll, might review it later in the podcast. Who knows? We might squeeze yeah. it in our schedule. Puss in Boots 3, just to uh, be clear. Yes. You don't need to see the first two. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. As long as you're familiar with Mr. Puss in Boots. The lore of the Puss in Boots. Um, you can see this film. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. It was very good. Um, Shrek cameo? No, but... Kinda. I don't want to spoil anything. There's no Shrek cameo. They may or may not have set up a Shrek movie in the future at the very no. end. At the very end. So just keep that in mind. No. Did Samuel L. Jackson show up as the voice of Pinocchio <laughs> setting up a team? No, I doubt it's anything. It might just be like a teaser, but yeah. the door is open. I'll put it that I'll put it that Fuck way. Fuck yeah. Um There actually was a brief Shrek, Shrek cameo now that I think about it actually. Shrek shows up on screen. Yeah, but it, no lines or anything. It's like he's reliving memories and one of the memories is him in one of the movies like briefly like uh, that. Okay. Um Pinocchio and the cookie guy, Gingerbread Man, they both are in this and have lines. Anyways. Cookie guy. <laughs> so I went and saw Puss in Boots 3. Highly recommend. Go see it if you haven't already. Um, that is a DreamWorks film, Ty. So I'm giving you a DreamWorks. That's your hint. DreamWorks random Rotten Tomato movie review. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for this review. I might give you another. Because this review, Ty, is from Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian. He's a top critic. Okay. His original score is a two out of five. Oh, that's bad. So he gave it a rotten. He put it at a 40. That's where we draw yeah. the line. 
And his review is, there's a moderate amount of fun to be had. Thanks, Jay. No, I really appreciate that. A DreamWorks, um, which is known for animated films, and it's just a moderate amount of fun, which is every fucking DreamWorks movie that's ever been released, ever. We're going to go uh, Monsters vs. Aliens final. Oh, yet. you don't? I was going to give you no, another one, final but answer. okay. Over the Hedge. Oh, that's a moderate <laughs> amount of fun to have. That's not bad. <laughs> I've never seen Over the Hedge. Um, I had Over the Hedge on my Nintendo DS, the game. <laughs> I was about to fucking bring up that game. That, <laughs> that game was, was fun. It was. That's my only um, experience with Over the Hedge. Okay, what was the other review you would have given me? Um, I was scrolling. You were trying to find one? Yeah. Okay. Um, some of these give away too much. These guys try to get cute. Give me one that would make it so obvious. Mark Sells of the Oregon Herald says, and it's a rotten, three out of five, um, can't seem to rise above... Can't seem to rise above to see the hedge for the trees. Oh, that doesn't really make sense. You just wanted to put the word hedge in there. Um, Frederick and Marianne Broussant of spirituality, spirit, spirit, spirituality. I can't say spirituality that word, and practice. Want to take your kids to a movie that equates junk food and fun? If so, then this one's for you. Point five out of five. She hates fun. Um, she is a terrible pe- person. Okay, here's a here's a fresh one. I mean, this would literally give it away because it has the name in it. But how about uh, forget? Just redact the name. Forget about the Da Vinci Code. The real first hit of the summer is blank. That would have fucked with me. <laughs> <laughs> I either love giving. I would have been in the upper echelon of DreamWorks, and we would just got a very forgettable middle of the road. Yeah, just churned out in the DreamWorks machine movie. Is I- uh is Barnyard? Is that a DreamWorks? No, it's Nickelodeon. Yeah, that's Oh, but I think uh, it's DreamWorks. And then I think Nickelodeon made the show. I don't know. I haven't been wrong yet today with remembering things. You know what's an underrated DreamWorks Might movie? Be the first one though. <laughs> that just brought up on as I was reading these reviews. Shark Tale. With Will Smith? Yeah, you ever seen it? It's wonderful. I like Shark Tale more than I like Finding Nemo. Martin Scorsese's in it. Paramount Pictures. Fuck. Scorsese's in Yeah. No shit. He plays the character Skies. Whoever that is. Sykes. Maybe Sykes. Okay. Um, Robert De Niro. Will Smith, Robert De Niro, Jack Black, and Martin Scorsese are in that film. That's <laughs> fucking incredible. <laughs> wow. That is pretty incredible. Missy Elliott is also in it. Yeah. It's a good movie. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a very good movie. Doesn't it's get enough credit. not reviewed well, though. Doesn't get enough credit. I, like, I don't remember the plot. I remember they work at a car wash. <laughs> At the car wash. I've probably watched that movie more times in a dentist than I have outside of a dentist. (laughs) Oh, I watched it a lot as a kid, so I can't say the same. It has a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, 43 audience. Wow. So maybe I need to rewatch that. Maybe I'll put it on tonight. Me and Ryle will have a romantic movie night and watch Shark Tale. Fuck yeah. Angelina Jolie. Bury the lead, Jason. She's in this. She plays Lola. Uh, I don't know why I'm just thinking. Does Angelina Jolie have a nickname? Bradgelina. But that's that's a couple name. Because I'm thinking like J-Lo. No, I think she's just Angelina Jolie, dude. That's For someone that famous, you need a nickname. No one should have to say your first and last name when you're that well-known. Looked up her nickname, and it's just AJ, Angie, or Ange. So, um, that's wild. How many famous people don't have a nickname that are that famous? A lot. Name Dwayne one. Johnson. The Rock. <laughs> the worst i know worst I know. example 
John Cena. Okay. I've, I guess in conversation. Leonardo DiCaprio. But he's got like the most generic name possible. Leonardo John. DiCaprio. I would I would argue John Cena does have a nickname, and it's the Doctor of Doug and Elmets. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio? That's Leo. That's just a shortening of his name. That's no different yeah, than that Angelina works. Jolie Ange. Yeah, but no one knows her as Ange. Everyone, if I were like, oh, it stars Leo. Brad like, Pitt. Brad. <laughs> okay. No, I'm done. You just said Brad Pitt's nickname is Brad. His first name. Is your nickname Tyler? What is Kobe's nickname? It's just his name. That's not a Kobe, nickname. That's the Black a shorty, Mamba is his nickname. But you don't nickname. have to say Kobe Bryant for someone to know who you're talking LeBron, about. LeBron, that's the same thing. Yeah, it is. That's just and his that name. Counts. That is not He's a nickname. He's famous enough okay, to wear it. Okay, but no one calls LeBron. Brad Pitt Brad. You tell Maybe. me if you go up to a, per- a person and you're just like, hey, what do you think about that latest Brad news? <laughs> they know you're talking about Brad Pitt. <laughs> I can't say they would. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, my God. Ty, what do we have on the docket next week? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll be honest, Jay. I have a feeling we don't have any. Oh, Babylon. We do have something. Good. Uh, Released on the 23rd. It's already out. Already in theaters. Oscar buzz. That's right. No, no Oscar buzz. I thought it was originally going to have Oscar buzz. It was originally. They thought. It's not. Oh, yeah, that's bad. I'll save what the the score actually is for next week. No. That's not good. Very bad movie. Let me just. Oh, and it's It had an $80 million budget. I believe box office right now they're sitting at about three. Oh, I think they're sitting at about three mil. Ugh. And it's three hours. It's it's gonna be. You can already buy it on Vudu. It's true? gonna be really bad. I may. Oh, pre-order. I was about to say I might just buy it on Vudu because it's the same price as a movie ticket, and we could watch it at home and not have to suffer through this for three hours. It. Um. Shook. But it's not out yet. It shook the box office with a shocking uh, $3.6 million opening weekend. How about we just watch The Fablemans instead? I would rather watch Puss in Boots. I've already seen it, so if you want to do Puss in Boots. Now, I I feel like Babylon's one we have to do, though, because the cast is incredible. And it was supposed to be something good, and we're going to have a lot of talking points. And we're going to explain why this movie failed when it should have this succeeded. Is, so this isn't an Oscar buzz movie? Mm, it was. And I mean, shit, maybe. Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm thinking of movies like The Fablemans. Yeah. The Banshees of Ed Sheeran. I'll be goddamn. Do you know who's in Babylon? Who? Brad. <laughs> Top cast. Um, I'm thinking we save movies like The Banshees of Ed Sheeran, The Fablemans. Yeah. Some of these other Oscar best picture movies. We uh, Whale. I think we're going to probably – we probably should save those for, like, January, February. I don't know when the Academy Awards are, but we should probably save those for right when the Academy Awards are about to happen. So I say we probably shouldn't do Fablemans now, but I, I don't know if Babylon's going to get that. Puss in Boots is an option. we got to look at our schedule. I know there's some openings and stuff. So you know, Pinocchio we could even throw in there for one of the best animated stuff. So, yeah. Figure it out. I'm, I'm mistaken I on the cast. Next year we're doing Babylon – or next week we're doing Babylon. So I'm mistaken Unless on the cast. Unless you want to do Puss in Boots. I thought this cast was way better. Isn't Tobey Maguire in this? But Tobey Maguire was supposed to be in this. I think he is, yeah. He's not even, he doesn't show up on the IMDb page. Yeah, he's in Babylon. I think he, like, produced it, too, or something. Which explains why it's so bad. He's not a great actor. Damn, Jay. We've been more than clear about how Tobey Maguire is not that good of an actor. (laughs) This shit's got Brad and Margot. Then we'll see this. 
We'll have to look at our schedule. As of right now, Babylon next week. Puss in Boots potentially as an option, but we're not sure yet. So be prepared for either. I will say following week after Babylon, we're supposed to be reviewing Megan. I feel like that's when we put Puss in Boots in. Okay, that's fine. We were originally going to put Pinocchio there, but yeah, we can do Puss in Boots. We could save Pinocchio towards Oscar season. When are the Academy Awards? Let me look up. No, I, we're not releasing Pinocchio until one of us dies. I thought we went over this. People wouldn't know that because I said it in the Pinocchio review. March 12th, so we could save February. What comes out March 12th? The Academy Awards are March 12th. So we could, I like, have February 1st, February 15th, February 22nd open slots. Could be blockbuster movies releasing? I don't know yet. Well, if not, we'll have Banshees of Ed Sheeran, Whale, and The Fablemans. Okay. When does Oppen- Oppenheimer come out? Not until like June or July. Oh, it's not even part It'll of the be a father board. when that movie comes out. That's a way of thinking about things. <laughs> <laughs> there was... Uh, Something comes out like two days after the baby's due date. And I was like, babe, we might have to hold off. I think it was the Oscars were two days before the due date and Top Gun Maverick was going to win Best Picture. Yeah. Hopefully the day your son was born. No, I think you're right. <laughs> I think that was the uh, uh, Doctor Strange or not Doctor Strange. Uh, Ant-Man's in February, right? Do you have that on the schedule? Not yet. I stopped roughly in February. Creed 3. We might have to review that in March as well. We it sounds like there's a lot of movies coming out, and we may be busy. Shazam, February seventeenth release date for Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumanium. That's coming up a lot quicker than I thought. Um, that means it is our February twenty second review. I mean, these movies are streaming though, so we can always double upload whatever. We can make it work. We will make it work. Do we just do an Oscar podcast four hour supercut? No. Okay. No. Can you it imagine? could be a series, but... That I'm podcast not. would be so boring. We'd be so tired by the end. We'll figure it out. Because you also have a baby coming on the way, so we might have to take a break. So we might just save some of the movies. I don't know. We'll see. That's not until March, Day. I'm talking about March. The Oscars are March 12th. Oh, yeah. That's very close to the due date. <laughs> that's right. We just mentioned that because Top Gun Maverick may win that day. Yeah. What are the odds? Plus 800. That's... I was expecting in the thousands, so I don't hate that. With their new way they do it, I think it actually has a somewhat decent chance. 2023 Best Picture Odds, according to Vegas Insider. The Fablemans, plus 120. The Favorites. The Runaway Favorites. Babylon, plus 500. Okay. When was this posted? Last updated December today. Okay. Babylon's An hour ago, 755. That's wild. Okay. Everything Everywhere All at Once, plus 600. Okay. Woman Talking, plus 1,000. Tar, plus 11. Um, Banshees of Ed Sheeran's plus 16, so that's 16 to 1. Top Gun Maverick, 20 to 1 odds. I love me an underdog story. Yeah, but the thing is, they... Coda was like an underdog, too. Was it, though? It was. Coda, best picture, betting odds. I remember listening to a podcast about the Oscars, and it was favored towards the end, but like early betting odds, it wasn't. It's a good fucking movie. 2022 Oscars opening betting lines. When does it open, though? I don't know. I'm just trying to find an article from, like, not March, from, like, January 2022. Um, January. Google should have a feature where you're like, you can. It's just a lot of work. I want to Google this with the information that was known on February 23rd. Um, Odds checkers. Maybe this will give you the lifetime 
I know some of them give you a lot of time. I don't know. I just know Coda was like pretty high, hmm. and then it it won. So and of course it dipped when they found out before everyone else because that's just how those things usually work. <laughs> it's fair. All right. Coda Christian or Chaston C Spike after SAG wins. I that oh, would be go. the greatest day of my life. Uh, January thirteenth, twenty twenty two, Bloomberg. Let's see what they had Coda at if it's on here. My son was born the day Top Gun Maverick. You have to subscribe. Wins Oscar for Best Picture. Best day of my life. Probably would be the best day of your life either way. Yep. Um, but Cherry on top. That is a, a, a cherry on top. Here we go. January 11th, 2022. Best Picture odds. Coda was at 25 to 1. That's fucking worse odds than Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. So Not only am I com- feeling confident now, it feels like a lock. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, Babylon. Yeah. Shit movie. Very long shit movie. That feels like homework. Last week, I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. Like, I'm excited. This week feels like homework. That's all I got for you, Ty. <sighs> go watch that. Enjoy a movie starring Brad. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.